0: Praise God. Um, I bless the Lord for this day, for all of you, for the lives that you have. I bless the Lord for, for that. It's a, it's, a, it's a blessing that God has given us. Um, I want to share a very, very small message today. Happy Easter to everyone.
1: Um,
0: We are celebrating the resurrection of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, today I'll share Christ uh, being the first fruit of our resurrection. Christ being the first fruit of our resurrection and i'll straight away go in first corinthians first corinthians uh, 15 chapter 15 verse 20 to 20 um, to 23 first corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. Uh, first Corinthians, when you read from the first verses, it, it, it will give you um, it, it 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 will give you it will give you a true picture of the resurrection of Christ. However today we are more interested in a part of Christ being The first fruit that's why i read from from verse 20 to 23 it says but now christ is risen from the dead and he has become the first fruit the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since by man came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead for us in Adam, all die, even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ's, those who are Christ's at his coming. Praise the Lord. Um, the the term first fruit originated way back in the Old Testament. That's where the origin of the first fruit originated. I, I, I thought I should bring first bring the, the picture of the first fruit so that when I bring in Christ being the first fruit, it can easily be understood. Amen. So in the Old Testament, God commanded his people to give the first and the best portion of their harvests as an offering to God. The first and the best of the portion of their harvest as an offering to God. Let's look at Exodus 23:16. Exodus 23 16 oh, praise God second the reads second celebrate the festival of the harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest celebrate the festival of the harvest celebrate the festival of the harvest when you bring me the first crops of your harvest finally celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season when you have harvested all the crops from your fields now from way back from the old testament god required his people, his people. I want to put that clear. He, He requested his people, those who know that they are for God, to always bring the first and the best portion of the harvest as their offering to God. And these offerings included grains, olive oil, the new wine, honey, sheep wool, fruits, herds and flocks, it included all of them. It included the best because that was what was required of God. In fact, if you remember the story of Adam and Cain, what happened is, I mean, sorry abel and cain what happened is that abel brought the best he brought the best offering he best he brought the best portion of what he had and god was pleased but then our friend cain what he did he just brought for the sake of bringing And God was not pleased. So, God in the Old Testament requested that the best portion would be given. So, by giving the first fruit as an offering to God, the Israelites acknowledged that all the harvests, all the harvests, in fact, everything they had came and belonged to God. It was a point of acknowledgement. It was a point of appreciation that all this that I've had has come from God. Mm -hmm. That the fruit that I'm giving, what I'm picking and where I'm picking from, is coming from God. Mm -hmm. It was a point of acknowledgement, a point of appreciation, that everything that we are giving and everything that we have belong to God. So the offering of the first fruit likewise was ex- was an expression of faith that's, that it was an expression of faith that something else the harvest of the rest of the crop would come later.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was that by faith that all the other best harvests will come later, mm. and they knew that through giving the first fruit, we know that our God is a living God. That by faith, even more and more and more yields will come. Not only crops, not only fields, not only fruits. It means that even the hearts. If I've given my first. For example, if I had a cow, and this cow gives birth, and I know that I have to give my very first birthed cow, the little one, and by faith I give it away, that means by faith I'm having that deep conscience in me that even the rest of the production that will come will be fruitful. That is the faith that was there. Amen? So, it was... Yeah, I thought it had gone off. <laughs> so, therefore, the first fruit, I is that God owned everything. God owned everything. He owned everything. That what I have belongs to God. So what do I do? I give God the first. Amen? So it was also an expression of being thankful for God to provide. Amen? So the first fruit, it was a representation of a batch of sacrifice of an entire harvest to come. It was that presentation. So if I'm expecting a big presentation, and I give out this, I'm hopeful that more will come. Amen? Amen. So now, the resurrection of Christ, it is very funny. It happened during the same season. The same season of giving fast fruits. It was during those same festival seasons. Sometimes things can be funny and they look real. It happened during the same period when, when they were offering the fast fruits. And this happened just after the Passover. First fruits would would be, that festival season of giving the first fruits would happen after the Passover. That's when they would bring in their first fruits. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Now, I'm bringing you a picture of Christ being the first fruit of our resurrection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. I I I don't I don't I don't want to forget where we are coming from. Mm-hmm. That's why I keep reminding you. Now, the resurrection of Jesus. The first fruit we've seen, now have come to the resurrection. Now, the resurrection of Jesus represents our own Resurrection. Let's
1: mm-hmm.
0: first look at uh, Romans 6 4 to 5. Maybe I should also try the TPT, the most favorite version of these days. <laughs> so I'm reading Romans chapter 6 uh, from verse 4 to 5. It says, sharing in his death by our baptism sharing in his death by our baptism means that we are co-buried and entombed with him so that when the father's glory raised Christ from the dead we also we also raised with him we have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of the new life. Verse 5. For since we are permanently grafted in him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Amen? Amen. That for since we are permanently grafted with him, we are joined with Christ. Mm -hmm. In his death we go. Mm -hmm. In his resurrection we come. Mm -hmm. So, having been permanently grafted with him in his death, likewise, we are permanently grafted in him to experience a resurrection like his and a new life that it imparts. Now, the death that is talked about is the death of sin, dying to sin. That is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That is the death that happened. So we are death. We have died to sin. Sin has no power upon us. It has no control Mm. over us. Mm. But rather, we have full control upon sin. Mm. Full control. Upon sin mm. When you give yourself to sin Sin will be happy To welcome you mm. But when you Distance yourself and you're like You know sin, you have no portion over me Sin will have No power upon you In whatsoever way mm. So 2 Corinthians five twenty one. God has made Christ mm. Who never sinned to be the offering for our sins. So, the fact that when we, when we remember what was shared on Friday in the overnight, is that way back, what would be offered was the blood of the animals. So the blood of the animals would keep covering the sins, but would not take away the sins. So every time a man would sin, would offer an animal as an offering to God so that their sins are covered. But we thank God who offered a lamb, mm. Who offered a lamb that had no sin, Mm. and that lamb became sin itself. So that sin may never have dominion, would never have power upon us. And what happened is that Christ took that place for sin. Mm. He took the place for sin, and he became sin himself. He became an offering so that we could, make, we could be made right with God. And being made right with God would not only happen only through Christ. Amen? So now, having seen the two scenarios, how does Christ become the first fruit of our resurrection? so christ is the first fruit in the sense that he is the entrance fee to the resurrection mm-hmm. for if christ did not if christ had not rose mm-hmm. then our faith would be for nothing
1: mm-hmm.
0: now what would be what would we be believing Likewise, if he had not died, Mm. the Holy Spirit would not have come. Mm. So Christ became the entrance fee. Mm. He paid a price Mm. through his resurrection. Mm. And he became that fee. He paid our admission to the resurrection. Mm. Just as we read, in in First Corinthians fifteen twenty one to twenty three. Let's read it again. Let's try the TPT version. From fifteen, um, um, verse twenty one uh, to no. Let's start from twenty let's start from 20 okay from 20 Yes, but the truth is christ is risen from the dead Mm. as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died for since death came through a man adam it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, mm. Christ. Mm. So even all who are in Adam, they totally die. Mm. So all who are in Christ mm. will be made alive.
1: Hallelujah.
0: But each one in his proper order, Christ the first fruit, Then those who belong to Christ in his presence. So when you look at verse 20, when I go back to verse 20, but the truth is Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of the great resurrection harvest of those who have died. It is very specific to those who have died. Not to their life, but to those who have died. And those who have died to so Christ is resurrecting as the first fruit to those who have accepted to die Mm -hmm. to sin amen so he he is our entrance fee he is the paid price, already paid price it is paid to kneel so if we are in these days we would say we are receiving free calls. (laughs) Because they are already prepaid. Okay? They are already prepaid. Already paid. We have no debt. We have, you know, it is just like that. Amen? So, that's is the pay that has been prayed, that has been paid. Two, it would have been strange and inappropriate for us to receive the resurrection before Christ. In fact, it wouldn't, we wouldn't even have received it either. So Christ resurrected first as the first fruit and we too receive it through his victory amen. 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 amen so Christ resurrected first as the first fruit and we too are to receive it through his victory amen. For he receives it first, mm. and then we receive it next.
1: Mm.
0: And he becomes oh. the first fruit, that first offering. Yeah. And if you remember, he is the lamb, the spotless lamb. The spotless lamb. If you remember Friday message, what was required to be shared was a lamb that was spotless. So Christ is a lamb that had no spot, mm. even though he was tried many times to make him have a spot. Mm. But he never had any spot. So now Christ gave out the best he had. The best. Now God gave the best fruit he had. He gave the best offering that he had. And he became that very first fruit for our sake, for our resurrection. Amen? And if you remember very well, before Christ was resurrected, he wasn't the first man to be be raised from the dead. He wasn't. If you remember the widow in the days of Elijah, the widow's son in the days of Elijah, Mm -hmm. he rose even Jesus himself rose rose from the dead in John 11 he rose and many more in the Bible however each of these they raised with their bodies the same body they died with the same body they came to life with but each of these they died again
1: mm-hmm.
0: so resurrection is not just about the physical living again of the mortal body mm-hmm. it is not that it is living again in the new bodies Amen? It is living again in the new bodies. The bodies that are perfectly suit for life mm. in eternity. Mm. The glorified bodies.
1: Mm. Mm. Wow.
0: Amen? So, it's not about dying. Uh-uh. Now, the life of a resurrected of a resurrected body is not this mortal body Mm -mm. it's not this decaying body Mm -mm. it is not it is the new bodies Mm -hmm. the perfect bodies the right bodies that are fit for eternity.
1: Mm-hmm. These
0: mortal bodies. It does not guarantee a resurrection. But the right resurrection is that. That has been of a dead body. Dead in a sense of sin. Mm. It is a body that will rise. So Christ was, despite Christ not being the first to be raised from the dead, but he was the one that was truly resurrected by God. Despite him being, not being the first, but he was the one that was truly resurrected He was the true river resurrection. He was the first true resurrection that happened. In three days, his body did not decay. In fact, within those three days, his body was healing, was not decaying. Amen. Amen. Within those three days, his Mm -hmm. body—it was healing through the other wounds. Mm -hmm. You know when when, when I was there, then I pictured the like how the like the true picture of how how the scars he had and. When I looked at the video of one of the person who was uh, tortured recently, I don't know if you have heard him, Kakuenza. I, I I looked at those scars at the back. I'm like, if this one was scratched, then how was it with Christ?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you, you can you can you can see the scratches on his body. You know, this is the person you have seen in the video, like the real real person. Now, when I saw those things what ran in my mind is how deep were the scars of Jesus how deep were they but now in the 3 days his body was was being healed huh? it was being healed within those days amen in those days his body was being healed that is our god our beautiful father amen so uh, 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 oh jesus glory be to god glory be to god So, his resurrection becomes the promise of our own resurrection. So, when we put our trust and we submit to his authority, Mm. it activates the promises and the blessing. I saw it. Praise God. Um, Romans, um, Romans 6, as I conclude, I want to share something small, then we call it a day, so that you can go and enjoy your Easter. So Romans 6, uh, from verse 1, ah, and anyway, we shall see, or we shall stop, verse 1 of the sweet ones. So, Romans 6 from verse 1 to, we shall see. So, what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all. And as a dead man passes away from, his, from this life, I beg your pardon. We have, we have died to sin once and for all, as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule and a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed in union? union with his death? Now, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. So that that when the Father's glory raised Jesus Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. So we have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of his new life so for since we are permanently grafted in him to experience a death like his then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and a new life that it. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were crucified with him to dismantle the strongholds of sin within us so that we could not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Amen. So obviously, a dead person is incapable of seeing him. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that how hmm, and we know that obviously a dead person is incapable of seeing it. now if we were crucified with the anointed one we know that we also share in the fullness of his life so we know that that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more his resurrection his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished for by his sacrifice he died to sin's power once and for all but he is now he he now lives continuously for the father's pleasure so if I pause there it means that even us we have to live for the father's pleasure for what pleases the father Uh so let it be the same way with you since you are now joined with him you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sins appear while living daily For God's pleasure in union with Jesus,
1: the anointed one. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Amen. Praise God. Amen. So
1: death is no
0: longer a master over him. And so to us. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he leaves it to God. Mm. Now, let me put this together. We no longer live to sin, Mm -hmm. we live to God. Mm -hmm. We no longer live for the pleasures of sin, Mm -hmm. we live for the pleasures of our God. Mm -hmm. Now, since we are immersed into Christ, we are immersed into his death. Mm -hmm. We are immersed into his burial, and so we are immersed into his resurrection. Now, power to sin, the power of sin to dominate us is broken. Mm -hmm. And we now live in the newness of life. And we live in that new life. We live in the newness of life. We are driven to honor God. Mm -hmm. We are driven To serve him, to love him, Mm. to worship him, to praise him, to know him.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: This was the passion of Paul. Likewise should be our passion. Mm. Amen. So Christ has opened a wide door for us to tap in and receive this precious gift. He is the door. He was the first to open that door. He is the first fruit. So Christ has opened that door wide. For us to tap in and receive these precious gifts. He received them first so that we can enjoy them better
1: and more. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. He received them first so that we can enjoy them better and more.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Just as we give our first fruits of our harvest with assurance that the whole harvest will be abandoned and blessed. And so be it when we submit to the authority of the first fruit of our Lord, of Christ being the first fruit into his erection for our
1: sake.
0: Amen. That's the end of the sermon. I believe God will bless
2: you. Some of us just celebrate without even knowing what, what they really mean, how they came about. Yeah, but um, in the kingdom of God, God has initiated seven feasts. They are not feasts of the Jews, they are the Lord's feasts. Someone read for us kindly Leviticus 23, verse 1. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. Leviticus <laughs> 23. Say,
1: speak to the children
2: of Israel and tell them the said feasts of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy for conviction, even those are my said Praise the Lord. Amen. Two, two. No, just verse one. Oh, In, yes. but it's your your assignment. Read the whole chapter of Leviticus. It says, two. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, mm. yeah, "That is verse one. Okay. Then two. He Speak to the children of Israel and tell them the set feasts of Yahweh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convictions given.'" Convocation. Convocation. Convocations. Convocations, even those are my teachings. they are the feasts of Yahweh they are not the fists of the Jews but they are the fists of yeah. Yahweh and the word fists translated from Hebrew is appointed times so these these feasts are appointed times of God meeting with man for his holy purposes. That's why he initiated them all, put them. Praise the Lord. You know, in, in, in the churches where we grew up from, we have never had this. We have, ne- for me, I had never, okay, I would read about the feast and I would think, ah, that is in the law, that is for the Jews. So When the Lord told me Start celebrating the feasts of the Lord. It was it was like what is that? What does it mean? So I started researching about it and I was surprised that these feasts are the feasts of God. And many of us in church we don't know and we don't even celebrate them. We don't even my God whom I had never. Okay, I we'll would read the Bible about them, but I didn't know that us in the new covenant have part in these feasts. Or we are supposed to keep them. But you see, these are set, set, appointed times for God to meet with man. Isn't it amazing? <clears throat> so these, these times, these holidays, are supposed to be kept with sacredness. And sol- solemnity, like with that reverence, they are not just like <clears throat> most most of the Jews today. It's now a tradition. It, it, they no longer have any any reverence towards it. They just get all these elements and they 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 do them and eat and celebrate and sing those Jewish songs and that is it. But God. <clears throat> God initiating this, he had something in his heart that he wanted to pass on to his people. Praise the Lord. So uh, the Lord expects everyone, everyone that has been covenanted with him to keep these feasts. And the first people are the Israelites. That God God has a covenant, it is a covenant. It is a covenant <laughs> convenential- I don't know that, that one is here. A co- A relationship it's, co- it's a covenant that binds us that binds the Israelites towards these feasts of the Lord and also us in the new covenant Now the new covenant, the covenant of Christ binds us in in these feasts for the jews it was the covenant that god made with the people of israel even before christ came but for us who enter in jesus who enter in a covenant that binds us also to these feasts so we are supposed to keep all these feasts There are seven There are only seven they are not many only seven praise the lord i'm i'm trying to <coughs> summarize everything because uh, <clears throat> so as people in the covenant we ought to keep and celebrate these feasts as part of our culture hmm? welcome to kingdom culture kingdom culture these are our feasts so that means the Bible says we are in the world, we are not of the world has nothing in you and you have nothing in. You. So you have nothing to do with any holidays that are not kingdom. Okay. Some are saying, eh? Most of those holidays, please research about them. Most of them have been initiated with certain weird things behind most of the holidays that are kept today in the world so don't just keep a holiday eh? people are celebrating which day those holidays now which day hey! for example valentine's day hey! love, love, love. but when you are really that is not love from when i researched i didn't marry that is not the real love is this one of the Lamb of god <laughs> but the other one ah that is not love that is not love the only love i know is the love of god so this other loves word. And i told i was telling people please don't bring me flowers on valentine's they bring me flowers on, on passover <laughs> because that's when i celebrate love <laughs> Even if I'm the only one in the world, it is okay. Just because everyone celebrates something, doesn't mean that it's for me. For me, I make my choices on what to celebrate and not what to celebrate. So, welcome to the kingdom culture. Kingdom culture, it is part of our culture. We celebrate the feasts of the Lord. And we dance. Just because this is our first feast, uh, we we didn't prepare with a lot of things. But in the next one, eh? Eh? we have to we have to learn those Jewish dances, and we dance those Jewish dances of jumping, 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 in. because it's a celebration time. Really, praise the Lord. One more thing that I will say in this covenant that we've entered with jesus for oh yeshua we are now his bride okay and he's our bridegroom and i love ruth 1.16. that talks about uh, your people will be my people your god will be my god where you go, I will go. That is the covenant that we entered. Now the people of Yeshua are also our people. Do you know that you are an Israelite? That's why you have to learn, because now you're his bride. You have to learn his culture. You have to turn. And now starts <laughs> leaving his culture. Because remember, Yeshua is both man and God. He's not just God, he's also man. And as a man, he's a Jew. Actually, when he returns back, he's not coming to Kampala. Yeah, the second, he's coming, coming to Jerusalem. Not to Kampala, not to Washington, not to those big countries in the world. But he's coming to. Jerusalem. So now we have to embrace everything about him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Including these feasts. Carol, wonder what you are at. By the covenant, we adopted sons and daughters in the kingdom. <laughs> We have full rights as the Jews. Can you imagine? I love this. It's such a privilege. I honor it. This moment, I really reverence it so much, so much. So, the Passion Week, um, from Monday up to before Friday, it's called the Passion Week. So, in this Passion Week, we are celebrating three feasts. <clears throat> are, those three feasts are, are twined up together, like it's hard to separate them. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to, okay, it's the Passover feast, the unleavened bread feast, and the fast fruit feast. So today, today, we are going to celebrate the Passover feast and the unleavened bread. But the unleavened bread—that way they celebrate it. This is how they they do it traditionally. The Jews—they get bread, bread crumbs. They the Bible is "Isaiah, everywhere in the house." And after they get a broom, they sweep them. They sweep them, sweep them, <laughs> and then after they put them like in a trash, and they burn them. They have m- removed the leaven from their house. Yes, that's how they celebrate. That uh, it has it has a lot of symbolism. Leaven, uh, leaven, leaven symbolizes sin or corruption. So, but some people go deeper to they clean up the house they remove the dirty things they clean up their lives like you remove the leaven from your life sin corruption like you get right with god but as christians this should be our daily lifestyle not just during this season of the of the unleavened you know feast it should be our our lifestyle as christians praise the lord hallelujah so i've talked about that one i'm not going to talk about it again now let me go to the passover feast which is the foundation of it is it is the foundation of feast all these others are built from it the passover feast so the first feast that god tells the israelites to celebrate is the passover feast Uh, someone kindly read for us Exodus 23 verse 45 Exodus 23 verse 45 Are we together? Isn't this interesting? An opening to a new family a new community Yes Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4 to 5. I said Exodus. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Leviticus. thank you so the first feast that the Lord tells the children of Israel to keep is the Passover feast and it is celebrated annually during spring that is around March and April the way we are doing now and as I've already said it is a it is foundation that's why the rest are built from the other six feasts are built from it um i thank god we have already talked about the exodus okay maybe i'll try to summarize a bit can i summarize for you the exodus so we are all familiar with this story of moses and the israelites how god sent moses back to egypt to rescue his people uh and he 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 sent um we know Pharaoh refused to release the children of Israel and God sent plagues. How many plagues were there? Someone who reads your Bible, how many plagues were there? Ten No. No? Yes, there were ten plagues. So the tenth plague, the tenth plague was the killing of the firstborn son. And the lamb was sacrificed God told the children of Israel To sacrifice a lamb To sacrifice lambs And put blood on their doorposts So that when the angel of death comes He will Bypass them And the children of Israel Did this In faith and obedience to God's commands And their homes were saved Were passed over That's where the name comes from They were passed over and the life of the firstborn son was spared so since the days of moses the jews have celebrated this feast as the lord commanded them isn't that amazing how many years from moses but the jews are still celebrating it even now now we are also learning from them isn't it amazing So, one word to sum up the Exodus experience is redemption. Someone say redemption. Do we know what redemption means? What does it mean, Michaela? So, redemption happened that they could freely worship and serve their God, their true living God. And this redemption was not just without a cost. There had to be a price. There had to be blood. And when you read the book of Leviticus, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's, There's always blood to be shed. Blood has to be shed for redemption to happen. Without blood, there is no redemption. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But we know that uh, in in this old covenant, the blood of animals could not erase our sin or wash our sin. It would just cover sin. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the new covenant of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. just imagine your sins are just covered up, covered up covered up covered up covered up covered up and they are never washed away that means you're still accounted of those sins and the bible says the wages of sin is that's why the, the 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 people of Sodom Gomorrah they would be killed <laughs> because their sins were not washed away they were just covered 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 And because they were covered, it couldn't take away the wrath of God. It was only his perfect sacrifice and blood that could satisfy the wrath of God. Only, only the blood of Jesus, only the blood of the Son, only the blood of God could satisfy the wrath of God. Praise the Lord. So all these lambs sacrificed in Egypt of every house of every household were pointing to one true Lamb of God who takes away the sin of of the world. Who said that? In the Bible, who said that? Who said the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? That is John one twenty nine. Okay john 1 29. so jesus christ has become and is our passover lamb hallelujah he's our passover first corinthians 5 7. kindly read for us first corinthians 5 7. people are not noting down you guys are so You're a student, how can you be asking for a penny? Yes.
1: out the old that
2: you made and Praise the Lord. Christ is our Passover. So, the Messiah's flesh was pierced and his blood spilled at the cross of Calvary for the sin of the world. When we are talking about these things, how to connect, please, whatever I say, you you know how Spabuk is. You take yourself there. Go there. When we talk about egypt go to egypt when you talk about plagues go to the plagues and see the plagues or even experience hey, that was so hard you know when we talk about now the cross how jesus was pierced and his blood was spilling out go to the cross mm, life you know today oh my god today I got a privilege, I call it a privilege. People make these things, but they make them, they make them for just, they even sell them in supermarkets. So when I was baking this, getting that fork to pierce this whole thing, I felt like I was piercing Jesus, piercing Jesus. It was too hard for me even to finish. Grace was asking me, "Why are you doing it?" I'm like, "I have to do it. I have to do it." But like, I felt like I was piercing Jesus Himself, and and blood because this is His body. Like, blood was gushing out. It was too much, too much for me. It was too much for me. Actually, it yes. If you were there, that's in those days. You would you would also be like. not like you would be among the people who said crucify him crucify him if you were there then can you imagine it is too much the price that he had to pay for us to deliver us from sin to redeem us from the slavery of sin and death do you know how it is so insulting to God for you to refuse to live sin and yet he paid for it? It is too painful, too painful. Remember those wounds are still live. It's like you're piercing in them again. Like the was piercing this thing. Like, I'm afraid I saw that she that. I'm putting it is too much, but I had to do it. Now, this is just, just imagine you're piercing in his real wounds again because you don't want to live sin. You don't want to live the life that he has died for and given you. You're piercing him again in the wounds. But remember, he has delivered us from sin, from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin, from the pleasure of sin. But we, why do you give excuses? You always have a choice to say not to sin. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. We can't live like Adam, we can't live like Eve because now we are in the new covenant. We are redeemed. Romans 6 tells us that sin has no power anymore. It has no power whatsoever, it has no dominion, it has no, my God, you're no longer its slave. You're now a slave of Jesus. That's why Romans tells you six, present your members now, align, in other words, align with what Jesus has done, align with what Jesus has saved you from. Present your members to me. That is the only work we have to do. Jesus has already paid. But it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Some of us Christians we think it happens automatically. Because I have gone in front, I've confessed Jesus, that is it. No. There is a process of sanctification, of aligning you to what has already been finished. So that it can manifest in the physical. Praise the Lord sin, sin had separated us from God. It had separated man from God. And because he was separated from God, he was displaced away from God's purposes. So he could no longer have communion with God, enjoy fellowship with God. But Jesus came and paid for that. I was giving an example. If you're given a free ticket to the state house to always meet the president. You will do it joyfully. You will do it committedly. You will do it and not miss. But how about this ticket we have been given with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe? Like you, you can meet with him anytime. You have access. You have access. Praise the Lord. You have access to commune with him, to share in his life. Not just commune, but he allows us to share in his life. He allows us to share in his holiness. He allows us to share in everything that he is. His mind, his will, his heart, his... (sighs) And then we take it for granted. My God praise the Lord not just enjoying God (laughs) but as he had given the mandate to Adam he wants us to have dominion to represent him upon the earth when Jesus went to heaven in Ephesians 4 tells us he ascended he ascended He needs a body. Now he doesn't have a body because he died and he went with his body. Now he needs a body in order to operate upon the earth, in order for his will to be done upon the earth. Now you are his body. Ah. You are his body. Praise the Lord. And because you are his body, he is the head. Now imagine, this body has to submit to the head. What you think is what the body does. And that's what Christ has given us. To share in his mind, in his thoughts. We're supposed to, to, (laughs) to operate according to his mind, according to his thoughts, according to his authority now praise the lord why do we choose to settle for less in Christ we have full access we don't need anybody to reach for us to the father <laughs> we have full access praise the lord by the blood of the new covenant Hebrews 4:16. so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned, to receive mercy's kiss, and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weaknesses. My God. That's what we have obtained. Hebrews 9, 12. And he has entered once and forever. Into the holiest sanctuary of all, (laughs) not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice, and he alone has made our salvation secure forever. For you are redeemed forever. Been able to be a new covenant, they are not texting, texting, texting. They're not for testing, testing, texting. There's no trying. These things are real. It is real. Praise the Lord. So all these. I hope we are catching. Please stay strong. I'm about to finish and we we do the the passover Seder. If you're feeling a bit sleepy, you can stand up. Yes. We need to to catch this, eh? I don't want us to, I would have gone to the elements we eat and enjoy, but we need to know, we need to catch the spirit behind and the heart of the father, why we are celebrating this he doesn't want us to just eat ignorantly, he wants us to enter, because this is an, an initiation to enter into a new place, <laughs> praise the Lord Amen. all these events surrounding the death The burial, the resurrection of Jesus and the Passion Week took place during the Passover. Now, I was meditating upon this and I'm like, but God. He told, He told the the Israelites, celebrate on the 14th day, choose the Lamb on the 10th day. But when you follow up the events of Christ, like his persecution when he was questioned. We are going to see that part, he was questioned, they were, they were trying him to see whether he's a perfect lamb. They brought questions that would that would <laughs> trick him to sin. Can you imagine? But he didn't sin. Before those, the priests, said, he didn't say anything. They were trying to see, and they found he was a spotless and a perfect lamb. But still he had to be crucified. You remember Pilate for him, he washed his hands like this man, his blood is not on my head because he found he was a spotless, perfect lamb, like the way the Lord had instructed the Israelites that the lamb that they should sacrifice should be spotless. And then the events like the questioning it took place on the 10th day. Can you imagine? Then he has the last the last supper with, with the disciples uh, on on the 13th day to the 14th day. Can you imagine? Like I was looking at all oh, how these events happened. And then that day of the Passover to be sacrificed. Uh, that day. That's when he was crucified and he became the passover love praise the lord it's just amazing so amazing for me it, it took me to another level like god is so faithful and amazing to fulfill his promises praise the lord before i go i continue there's something that i had skipped when we share in the in the in the celebration of the the feasts of the lord we share in the promises and in the blessing god will never instruct or give a command without a blessing attached and promises so when we keep the way we are going to do here we are entering and activating the promises upon these feasts and the blessings upon these feasts We are activating them in our lives, hallelujah. I thought someone would clap, but it is okay. (laughs) Some people don't like blessings and, and promises to be fulfilled in their lives. So we see that the night before Jesus went to the cross, the same night he was, that was the same night he was betrayed. He gathered all his disciples in the upper room, and he ate the Passover meal together with them. Praise the Lord. Someone kindly read for us for us Luke twenty two fourteen to sixteen. <coughs> Luke chapter twenty two, verse fourteen to sixteen. Hallelujah. Who is there?
0: Look, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I've been very eager to see this Passover again in you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that my motive is not in until.
2: Praise the Lord. So Jesus used the elements on the Passover table to reveal Himself on a deeper way to the disciples in the room. And even today, all these elements, Jesus wants to use them to reveal Himself to us in a deeper way. He wants us to know Him more intimately. Now, these feasts were set apart to, for God to meet with, with man. You know, on, on Wednesday, we're reading some scriptures, and every scripture that we read had union with Christ. Be joined to me. When, 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 when I read this statement, like the union came into my mind. Like, Jesus wants us to know Him on a deeper way. And to come and partake and come into union with him like never before. Praise the Lord. The union is perfected in the spirit. But we are now awakened to it and we are alive. And now we have a conscious that I am joined with Christ. But it is not a one-time thing. It is a relationship. This union initiates us into a relationship an intimate relationship with him that needs to be cultivated daily praise the lord hallelujah so jesus is our passover lamb and we meet god our father in christ remember appointed time man to meet with god but now for us in the new covenant we meet god in christ in jesus our Messiah that's where we meet God in union in union with Christ that's where we meet God do we catch that? praise the Lord so Jesus was connecting them to what he was about to do on the cross that's why he says, the next time we have this Passover it will be fulfilled in in my kingdom meaning it, i am fulfilling it that's what he was saying i am fulfilling it through the cross that i'm about to go through hallelujah Whew. so as believers today we need to capture this tradition okay Let it be a tradition that you celebrate with your family. Let it be a tradition that you celebrate with your church family. Like, it has to be something that is not foreign or strange. Because now we share in this covenant. Praise the Lord. I've talked about the examination examination process when Jesus was examined and he was found to be blameless, spotless, without any. (gasps) Hallelujah. You'll find it in Mark chapter 14 verse 53 to to 65. Please read it in your free time. Mark chapter 14 verse 53 to 65. Yeah, you'll see Different accusers came bearing false witness against Jesus, but none of them, none of them was true. Because they were found inconsistent, like their false accusations were inconsistent, so they weren't taken seriously. It showed that Jesus was innocent. But we see finally the high priest came face to face with Jesus. And asked him, Are you the Messiah? The Son of God. That is in Mark 14 62. And Jesus quoted Psalm 10 and Daniel 17 and said, (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) He said, I am He. I am i am he praise the lord jesus affirmed by quoting psalms 110 and daniel 17. then he was handed over to the romans to be crucified there is still power in his blood even today praise the lord so let's boldly celebrate the lamb Hmm? who was slain who alone is worthy to receive honor and blessing. Hallelujah. Let us boldly do what celebrate our lamb. So when we eat the bread I'm going I'm sharing all this because when I start this I don't want to share. That part of sharing is covered. When we eat the bread, we acknowledge the identity of our Messiah. Not just acknowledging, but we enter to partake of his identity as a spotless lamb who suffered severely on our behalf. We partake of his purity, his holiness. We partake of his perfection. That's why the Bible says that he who knew not sin became sin for us that we may obtain all we may be the righteousness of that's how we share in his righteousness so just a little bit uh, this bread this bread I honor this bread it is known as the matza it's unleavened that's why it is flat and hard it doesn't have yeast. Yep. We say yeast represents sin and corruption. So the body of Jesus was perfect. It had no sin. It was... <laughs> he told, God said in the scripture, You will not allow your Holy One to suffer corruption. Actually, we shall see that why, why the the the, the 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 bread is unleavened? The unleavened bread represents his body that did not decay. His body did not decay. Three days in the grave. If it is a normal person, they are already rotten and smelly. But you know, I was thinking about this it is believed that by the time jesus was taken to the grave to be buried his body was all broken down bruised it was all bleeding but by the time of the resurrection first of all his body did not see any corruption it did not rot it did not remain with bruises after the resurrection it was see the power of the resurrection so the unleavened bread is a symbol of the body of Christ that was not corrupted it did not suffer decay praise the Lord these holes that I was putting here they represent the piercings the bruises and the stripes that were on his body that's why the body is like this that's why it was hard for me because i felt like i was beating him i felt like you know for me i i i and yeah, i use imaginary a lot so when I was doing it, it was real for me. Like I was beating my Lord. I was piercing my Lord. I was oh, bruising my Lord. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 53:5, you read it in your free time. It it confirms with the bruises and praise the Lord. So and as we drink, that is that the bread, the unleavened bread, the matzah. It's called the matza, Matzah. Mm-hmm. Yeah? matzah. Mm-hmm. Like that. So as we drink the cup, we celebrate the fact <laughs> that we two have been redeemed, set free. The cup usually, we normally use, okay, in the Jewish tradition, they use four cups each cup represents it's symbolic of of a ceremony and what they normally use is the fruit of the vine okay this is the fruit of the vine the the grape juice it's what they normally use and grapes or the grape the wine wine symbolizes joy celebration that's why the jews mostly use wine grape juice it's it's a symbol of celebration it's a symbol of joy so they normally use it a lot during weddings that's why when jesus went to the wedding of cana they had they were using wine it's a symbol of celebration in the jewish culture and it should be as well now in our lives and in our homes please have grape juice all the time hallelujah so you read Luke 22, 17, and Luke 20. Actually, read the whole chapter of 22, because Luke 22, 17, Luke 22, 20, Luke 22. So read Luke 22. Hallelujah. So the four cups used, they are the four promises of God. That are in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 to 7 someone read for us they are the four promises of of God I'm I'm finishing this is the last this is the last time we go to the Passover Seder just wanted us to get some little bit when they are celebrating this feast they normally tell stories they give the history so that's what I'm doing telling stories giving the history but my storytelling is like Okay, Exodus 6, 6, verse 7. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 to 7. Let's see the four promises of God that each glass here represents. Can we read King James Version? NKJV. Are we there? Who is there, please?
1: 6,
2: verse 6 to 7. Yes,
1: please.
2: I am the Lord. I'll bring you out of the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from the I will you I made a mistake. The first one I will bring you out. Mm hmm. Read. I will bring you out. <laughs>
1: hmm And I will read you out from there.
2: Yes, I will redeem you. Is the third. Mm-hmm. Our rede- I will redeem. You that is the third class the uh. the Then the fourth one.
1: And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a boy. Well
2: the Lord your you praise the Lord. so this is your assignment. We said we are activating the what? The promises and the blessing. now that is the that is the scripture. Go study, meditate and listen from God to teach you from that and align with those promises and blessings.
1: Hallelujah.
2: It is not just a story. Those are promises that you need to hold on to. So, uh, let's celebrate with joy, confidence. Why? We are no longer slaves you think egypt and the israelites represented you, are, you and me we were in bondage our misery. we're in misery. we're in egypt praise the lord but now we are no longer slaves we are children of god you know you know that song i'm no longer slave to see i am a child of god That's where it comes from, okay? Now we share in his life and identity. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop here for today. And let's get into the Passover. Seder. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. For redeeming us. I've tried my best to summarize.
0: Okay. Um, the Feast of Weeks is what we are celebrating today. And this is a Spring Feast Harvest Festival. It's a Spring Feast Harvest harvest festival following the Passover, so it's about feasting the harvest, so it's a spring feast harvest festival following the Passover. It begins with the waving of a single sheep, a single sheaf of the first fruit on the day after the Sabbath. Now, um previously, if you remember when we were celebrating the resurrection of Christ, um, we, we were celebrating what we call sorry the first fruit. Yes. We are celebrating the first fruit. That's what we are celebrating on the resurrection. And we got to know that Christ is the first fruit of our resurrection in a sense that if it was not him, then no one would have been. If it was not Christ, no one would have been the first fruit. He was the one that um, God gave us. God gave us Christ first. And everything that was done focuses on Christ everything that happened even from the beginning was all about Christ everything that you may see in the in the old testament will in one way or another reflect to Christ everything so even in these celebrations this is a this was an order that um, these were one of the um, the, 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 the feast that God had asked His people to celebrate. The feast of the feast of weeks or feast of harvest. Amen. So it begins with the waving of a single sheaf of the first fruit on the day after the Sabbath. Then on the seventh week, after on the seventh week, so you count from the day of the Sabbath, you count seven weeks. If you count seven weeks, you can, you come to 49 days. Even right now, when you count your weeks from the first, from the last time we shared um, about the first fruit, you prove that indeed it is 49 days. There are seven days. I mean, there, I beg your pardon, there are seven weeks which make 49 weeks now. So the the seven weeks are counted up to the final fifth day after the seventh Sabbath. Let's read Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy 16 uh, from 19 to 11 so that you can understand what I'm talking about. So verse 9, Deuteronomy 16 uh, from 9 to 11. Verse 9 says, You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle of the grain. Verse 10, Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering from your hand which you shall give as the Lord God blesses you you shall rejoice verse 11 you shall rejoice before the lord your god and your son and daughters your male servant and your female servant the levite we who is within your gates and stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the lord your god chooses to make his name abide so the Feast of Weeks marks the conclusion of the counting Of the seven weeks and is known by seven names in the Bible. To the Hebrews, they call it Shavot. Shavot, it is S H A V U O T. Shavot. The Hebrews is called Shavot, which means weeks and refers to the counting of seven weeks. Now, in Greek, it is called Pentecost, and the word Pentecost means 50, and after this, the 50 refers to the 50th day of the counting. That is in Greek. It is also called the festival of reaping, and the day of the first fruit, because it is a spring harvest festival however this may confuse you because we are bringing back the first fruit because it is the beginning of the counting so to the hebrews it is called shavot shavot which means weeks and refers to the counting of the seven weeks shavot Now, to the Greek, it is called Pentecost, which means or symbolizes the 50th day of counting. Now, this, um, um, that's how it is, Shavuot, Pentecost. Pentecost means 50, the fifth day, the 50th, I beg your pardon, the 50th day Okay, let's first look at Leviticus 23, 15 to 22. Uh, Leviticus um, uh, 23, 15 to 22. Leviticus 23, uh, verse 15 to 22, it reads, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf, of the wave offering. Seven bath Sabbath shall be completed. Counting 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. Verse 17 You shall bring from your dwellings two wave laws of two tenths of an ephath. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits of the Lord. So if I say it, that also means the first fruit. You should not be confused. So if you look at our table, we have the two laws. Amen. We have the two loaves so the two wave loaves you can see on our table so they are the first fruits to the lord and you shall offer and verse 18 and you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish one young bull and two rams they shall be as a burnt offering to the lord with their grain offering and their drink offering an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the lord verse 19 then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as the sacrifice of a peace offering. Amen. Verse 20, the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruit as a wave offering. You're seeing first fruit. So don't be confused okay. when I say it also means the first fruit. Uh-huh. Um, with the two lambs, they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest verse 21 and you shall proclaim and you shall proclaim on the same day that is the holy convocation to you you shall do no customary work on it it shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generation verse 22 when you reap the harvest of your land you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap. nor shall you gather any gleaning from the harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God." So in the ancient times, the grain harvest lasted seven weeks. In the ancient times, the grain harvest lasted seven weeks. It began with the harvesting of berry at Passover and ended with harvesting of wheat at Shavuot. Shavuot was thus the concluding festival of the grain harvest. Amen. Now, during the celebration of the feast of Weeks or Shavuot, the bread that is offered all to have yeast because this yeast follows the yeast of the uncleaned bread which all yeast was removed now what happens this is significant because um, we remove the old yeast and we bring in the new yeast remember previously it was a festival of no yeast. But now this time it is a festival of yeast. What happens? After the other celebration was done, we tend to take yeast. Now we take out all the old yeast and today we ought to bring in the new yeast. We take away the old. So removing the old yeast is to deal away with anything That is exposing by eating yeast Christ. Removing the old yeast, removing the old yeast is to deal away with sin that is being exposed when you eat the new yeast who is Christ. I don't know if you've picked it. Taking away the old yeast is a process of taking away sin out of your life. You distance away from sin. You take sin out of your life. But then that happens after taking in the new yeast, who is Christ. For Christ will give us a new sinless life. Christ will supply us with a new sinless life. For Christ is fully, was and is fully sinless. He lived a life that was sinless and blameless. Amen. So by eating the new yeast pressed as our sinless life, we got to be supplied that we may have a pure life. We take away the outing, we take away the old yeast, and within it, we enjoy We enjoy the new yeast, who is Christ. And by doing that, we are having a pure life. And that pure life is what pleases the Father. And we do all that for the Father's satisfaction. So in this life, whatever we do that reflects Christ, we have to do it in a way that it pleases the Father. Amen. So at Passover, we at Passover, we learn to remove the old leaven. At Shavuot. So we are taking away the old. And we are bringing in the new leaven. So in that process, we are filled by the Holy Spirit, we are filled by God Himself. So when you take away your, when you take away the old leaven, the sinless life, the life that does not please God, and you eat the new yeast, who is Christ what happens, you are filled with the life of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with God himself. So what is going to happen, or what is happening, or what will happen today, is that we are going to take away all this life, this life that does not please God, We are going to take it out. We are going to wipe it out of ourselves. So it is time to get out of the old life and enter into this new life of Christ. So now Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, will commemorate the anniversary of the giving of the Torah. It commemorates the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai and the giving of the Holy Spirit in Acts
2: chapter two.
0: At Shavuot, that's what happened. Well, and that's what should be happening in our lives. So now the Shavuot is setting, is or Shavuot set a beginning commemorate the anniversary of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. The giving of the Holy Spirit in in Acts chapter two. So, on Passover, the people of Israel were freed from bondage. Okay, on Passover, some people may not know. On Passover, that is the day when um, when God commanded the Israelites to, uh, when God commanded Israel, to spread the blood of the lamb on their doors, so that when the angel of death is passing over Egypt, the people and the children of Israel may remain safe, because on that day, that is when all the firstborns were to die, if you remember when, um, when Moses had gone to rescue the Israels, that's what, that's what happened. So some people may not know what Passover means. I, I wanted you to get to know the Passover. So on Passover, the people of Israel were freed from bondage, and on Shavuot, they were given instructions about how to be the people of God. Remember, these people were the people, um, uh, Pharaoh had captured these people. Now, on the day of Passover, these people were freed from their bondage. Now, on Shavuot, they were given the instructions on how to be people of God. So, the word Torah means the teaching. It means teaching. Okay, let's let, let's look somewhere um, in John fourteen twenty six. Someone read for me. John fourteen twenty six. So, the word Torah means teaching. So, Jesus spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit and explained that he would teach them, he would teach us and remind us. Mm-hmm. He would teach and remind. So, But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word I have told you. So we see the fulfillment of this on Pentecost. So what Christ promised, we also see it being fulfilled on Pentecost. Praise God. Are we together? So we see what Christ promised in John 14 being fulfilled at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Sorry, chapter 2, verse 1, from verse 1. I beg your pardon. So it reads: Acts chapter 2, from verse 1. Um On the day of Pentecost, I'm I'm talking about being fulfilled. What is being fulfilled? The promise of Christ. So on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, if you remember we said Pentecost means the 50th day, the 50th day, which also means the Feast of Weeks. Remember we are celebrating the Feast of Weeks. Don't forget and the the word pentecost it means on the 50th day are we together now on that 50th day the pentecost day the holy spirit so on the day of pentecost was being fulfilled all the disciples were gathered in one place Suddenly they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house of the heavenly rim. The roar of the wind was so overpowering. It was it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of I beg your pardon. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them they were all filled and equipped with the holy spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues empowered by the holy spirit to speak in tongues they had never learned praise god So fifty days after Christ has offered had offered himself, mm-hmm. fifty days after Christ had offered himself to the Father as the first fruit in his resurrection. Remember, we said that. Uh, remember what we shared a few weeks back when we said we have been caught in a love relation of the father and the son. We are caught in a love relationship whereby Jesus is loving the Father and Jesus is doing everything to please the Father and the Father is doing everything to please the Son and the Father is doing everything to please the Father. We are caught in the middle. Now, having been caught in the middle we are the best gift that the Son will be able to give to the Father. So Christ's death was for an instance that he would give the best gift to the Father. Amen? So his death and resurrection was for our sake. His death and resurrection was for our sake was that would become the best gift that even when God sits in his realm, in his majesty, in his authority, in his place of honor, he can see and says, yes, I'm so proud of you, my son. Because of what you did, because of having given up yourself for the sake of those people, I'm so proud of you, son. So, are you making yourself the best gift or the right gift that the son (laughs) will turn and give to the father? Are you making yourself that gift? And all this is happening is that even God is saying, I want you to be the best gift for my son. you to be the good gift for my son to be the bride for my son are you ensuring that you're becoming the right gift for for the son so 50 days after Christ offered himself to the father as the first fruit in his resurrection the spirit of Jesus Christ was powered upon the disciples representing all of us seated here in the church. Everyone listening to this audio as the body of Christ. For we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So that means you are the first fruit because if Christ is the first fruit for the resurrection but all this is being done for the Father's sake so Christ offered himself to the Father as the first fruit and you are the body of Christ therefore you're the first fruit The first fruit. Are you the damaged fruit? Are you the good fruit? (laughs) Praise God. Amen. So the spirit which came down on the day of Pentecost was the very Christ as the first fruit offered to God. But now it was in his fullness. It was in fullness. So, on the day of Pentecost, exactly 50 days from Christ's resurrection, when he ascended to his Father as first fruit, that was the time. Praise God. So, this indicates that the resurrected Christ became the Spirit powered out to us, the believers, to the believers of then, but even to us. For the full enjoyment so the resurrected Christ became the spirit poured out to us believers so that we can fully enjoy this spirit so that we can fully enjoy this Christ let me read one verse first Colossians Ah, Abe, eh, First Corinthians, sorry. First Corinthians, fifteen. First Corinthians, Verse fifteen. First Corinthians, Chapter fifteen, Verse forty-five. Verse forty-five. Corinthians 15 45 for it is written the first man adam became a living soul the last adam became the life-giving spirit so this celebration (laughs) is interesting because at pentecost the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to speak in other languages and to equip them for the great commission to take the gospel to all nations. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples to speak in other languages Not only that, but to equip them for the great commission and take the gospel to all nations. Praise God. So you remember when we came back, when you look at what happened on Mount Sinai and when you look at what is happening. what is happening on Mount Sinai and what is happening on Pentecost? These are matching. How do they match? At Mount Sinai, God gave the instructions or gave commandments on a written stone tablet. Written tablet. But what is happening on Pentecost? God is giving instructions, is giving commandments, is giving directions, is giving new languages, but in our hearts. So when you compare the two, this is written on the tablets, but on Pentecost, God, Christ is giving instructions, is giving commandments, but these commandments are written in our hearts. They keep running in your mind because the Holy Spirit does its work. And they're written in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 3:33. Let's read Jeremiah 3:33. Jeremiah, where are you Jeremiah? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 3, uh, 33, it says, oh, did I quote it wrong, Uh, I think maybe I missed something, Jeremiah, Um, I want where... uh, Let me see. Uh, um, Now I want that verse where it says that I'll put my word in your hearts. I'll put my word in your hearts Mm -hmm. Hmm? that verse have okay let's see Ezekiel must have uh, Ezekiel uh, Ezekiel 36 from verse 26 uh, from verse 26 to 27 Ezekiel 26 from verse 27 also this one and I'll give you a new heart and i'll put a new spirit in you i'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart and i'll put my spirit in you so that you follow my decree and be careful to obey my regulations so like i said these things the old testament gives an image of christ amen so you can see we're back in ezekiel this was not there i'll give you a new heart and i'll put a spirit in you Uh uh-huh this represents the holy spirit Uh uh-huh and i'll take out your stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart 31, 33, yes. I missed out. Jeremiah 31, read it for us. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel.
1: After I will
0: say, I will put my law within them. I will put my law within them, within their hearts. And I
2: will write
0: on their, hearts.
2: On their hearts, and they will be their word and they shall be
0: their word. Praise God! I've put it in their hearts. So, at Pentecost, the law, the direction, the leading, the instruction, the Spirit of God does its work in your heart. It doesn't need to be written. You you, you remember back in the village, you used to have those things, the Ten Commandments, then you read them. But the Spirit of God within you has put, has marked correctly those laws, those commandments in your heart. Amen? So, the Spirit that was powered out Pentecost will fulfill the joy that we have in Christ. It will fulfill the joy, the true joy that we shall have by submitting to Christ. That spirit that is powered out That spirit that God has given us will bring the true enjoyment of being in Christ. So, at Shavuot, on this day that we are celebrating, we are celebrating the coming of Christ in our lives, the creation of a new relationship between Christ and us and god we are celebrating a new life that god has given us for us to enjoy it's what we are celebrating praise god so what does that mean nothing material can satisfy man, nothing. Uh Nothing material can satisfy a human soul, absolutely nothing, nothing. All the happiness that we may get out of the material things would be temporal. Temporal. But through what Christ gave us on this day, on Shavuot, on Pentecost, it gave us the true fulfillment, the true joy in our hearts. I can assure you, I've seen many people they are not happy in their lives. However, when you look at your life and you say, thank you, God, you pick it from the bottom of your heart with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you feel joy in your heart, but you can never feel joy when you are empty. When there is emptiness, there is no joy. Joy is only found in God. Joy is only brought about by the Holy Spirit. So Christ destroyed sin and the grave and set humanity free. Amen. So it took away all the bondage that we had over sin and a person who's possessed by material or who's chasing material stuff for happiness is more likely to be bound by sin. It is automatic. But Christ took away that. Christ gave us a new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens? We were set free. And those who believe in the Word. Those who believe in Christ by faith have been able to touch and enjoy the true feast of the Lord. Praise God. Those that have been able to tap and to accept the word Christ by faith have been able to enjoy the true feast of Christ. The true feast of the Lord that have been able to celebrate the true feast, they have been able to have that real enjoyment of the feast of the Lord. Only those that have believed in Christ. Amen. So we need a bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ to be powered out Again and again and again to ask his people for the full enjoyment of the feast of the harvest. We need that full overflow of the spirit. It has to be full. It has to be over and over and over and over and over again, to ask his people. Not until then, we shall never have the full enjoyment of the feast of the harvest. Never. So the feast of the harvest typifies the enjoyment of the rich produce brought by the resurrected Christ. And this is all-inclusive, the life-giving and the bountiful spirit. Amen? Praise God. (laughs) So we need a bountiful supply, a bountiful, like a huge supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ to be poured out to us again and again, and to us, his people, for our full enjoyment of the feast of the harvest. Uh-huh. Now, the feast of the harvest, it typifies the enjoyment of the rich produce. It typifies the enjoyment of the rich produce brought in by the resurrected Christ and which is all-inclusive the life-giving and the burnt spirit the burnt spirit someone read for me Ephesians 3 8 as I conclude as we go into the feast I'm really excited to feast Ephesians 3 verse 8 Ephesians 3 8 To me, though I am the very least of all the things Mm. was given, to preach the
2: Gentiles the unsuchable riches of
0: Christ. The unsuchable riches of Christ. You can't have them anywhere. Only by those who submit to christ by faith and by faith through the holy spirit you tap in you tap in into into that so the resurrection of jesus christ The Resurrection of Jesus Christ gave humanity eternal life. We had no life, but His Resurrection gave us life. And we can greatly celebrate the festivals with too much joy because of So I've come to the end of today's sermon as we enter into the feast.